Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on July 17th, 2023. So let's get into it. All right. Here we are, Tim. Another episode more political news in Nevada, and we've got a couple things to cover today. Yeah, it, it feels, honestly, it feels like the news is picking back up, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Seems easier to find some. Everyone's coming back from their post-legislature vacations, quite literally, and things are actually starting to happen again. So Yeah, well, <laughs> some things are happening, and some things aren't happening that we expected, and so we'll get into that in the rehash as we're going to discuss teachers raises our main topics today are going to be on student loan forgiveness as well as lombardo pulling out of the u.s climate alliance and then we'll jump in yeah we do and then we'll do our broke our brain and uh, then we'll wrap it up so i guess we'll just jump right into this rehash about teachers raises and Mostly how how they haven't got them yet. <laughs> well, it, it's not that they haven't got them yet, but it appears as if they'll be starting the school year without them. That's right. Because we, we got to remember we're only like halfway through the lower education summer because I'm pretty sure that they start at the end of August or they might start... They start like mid-August, maybe. I don't, yeah, that sounds right. Or late I don't know. August. I don't have ki- yeah, I don't have kids. They start um, sometime yeah. in the August month, <laughs> so there's still some time there. But it's just the problem of it seems like things have stalled, or it seems like talks aren't going forward. Yeah, there's this RGJ article that was posted two days ago on the fifteenth that essentially shared. What you already said, school new the new school year starting without a pay raise for thousands of Washoe County School District teachers. They don't need no money. <laughs> which we all know we actually strongly disagree with. Yeah. Uh, instead, teachers, principals, classroom aides, and psychologists will keep working on contracts that expired on June 30th. So apparently there's this whole union negotiations that have begun and I guess it was a low offer and they're not having that knowing that we had that $2 billion surplus. And so union representatives say that the new contracts for the majority of the district's employees are not close to being signed despite the massive injection of funding that was approved in that 2023 legislative session. So yeah, let's get them their money. Well, and here's the other thing we want to think about and really consider. And I I don't know how I want to take this because I don't know if I want to take it at face value or not. But our school board is claiming that they elected to use outside representation. So a third party lawyer or counsel to partake in the negotiations for Washoe County. Yeah, I read about this lawyer. In theory, (laughs) and I I haven't, I haven't. I'll just be frank. But when I when I read third party counsel, I think they don't know as much about our county. They don't know about the much about the operations, and they're kind of just given some paper and some numbers and said, "Talk with these people and make it work." Mm -hmm. So not working. Yeah, well, a third party lawyer has incentive to make themselves the most money. So they're going to carve themselves out a substantial chunk or lump sum of this negotiation tax or whatever. But I mean, to me, it just seems like, and this can, I I hate that this statement applies for larger, larger areas, but it seems like neither group is coming to the table with a good faith Mm. or no one's sitting at the table with good faith. Every time I hear about unions, it's always talked about of unions are this like horrible organization that just wants to like work. Like it's taking things to get things and it's this agreement. And I was like, yeah, but that's not what they were supposed to be a hundred years ago. They're supposed to be just the collective voice being more powerful than the one voice. Yeah. And yet now everyone looks at them with this bad faith and it's like, yeah, we don't want to deal with them. We'll get the third party counsel. And 
yes, the school board's saying they had to do this because their current or their last negotiator retired and their the department that would handle this is currently going through restructuring. Hmm. Cool. But to me, it just seems like they're not even sitting at the table in good faith because they're already assuming, oh, well, the union's trying to screw us because they're trying to take more money than they deserve. So we're not going to work with them. And get, like, I, I, I don't but, know. I just. <laughs> but did you see what the article highlighted about the attorney that was no. hired to negotiate? Okay, no. so it, it points out that the district has spent $22,000 so far on the $415 an hour attorney hired to negotiate with unions. So the lawyer's getting paid. Yeah, and that's, I like... It doesn't seem like there's any good faith or good intention. It doesn't seem like they're actually trying to... Personally, I think that they would at least have someone from the freaking county or an employee of the county in some capacity in the room with the lawyer. Yeah. Like, that would at least make me feel like there's at least some good faith or some good intention coming from it. But this whole just... Yeah, no, we're going to leave it to a third party that we're paying more than our teachers. I just, I. Yeah. Hell, does a teacher make $415 in a day? Like. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a, that's a valid, that's a valid question I have under their old contracts. Are they even making that much in a day? And we're paying this guy that much in an hour yeah. to say we're not going to pay them that much in a day. Like. Uh, yeah, it's your I'm, it's your I'm favorite gonna, thing, Tim. Do, <laughs> do some math real quick. <laughs> what do we think they're getting paid? Say they're making twenty dollars an hour. That's still only one hundred and sixty dollars a day before taxes. Jeez. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're it's in good faith. I think that they're just stalling negotiations because they want to stall. They're going to spend all the money that they got for the teachers on this guy and. It's not going to go anywhere. It's criminal, but whatever. Yeah, so it looks like we might be averaging probably maybe like $52,000 a year. So that's like 27. It's about $1,000 a week. $25 an hour maybe. Yep. On average. Wow, I said 27. That was, um, <laughs> 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 I hate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, they're making 25 a day, so that's still 25 times 8 because we know they're only compensated for 8 hours in a flipping day because, gosh forbid, yeah, they're compensated for anything else. That's gross, right? That's before tax, so... Yeah, I mean, they're walking away with 200. So we're paying the attorney per hour what we pay a teacher, like, in two hours, we've paid the attorney a week's worth of teacher pay yep. like that ain't cool nope yeah so uh, that's all i got let's uh let's make some moves there hopefully this doesn't continue to stall and you know my hope is that there is some sort of uh, retroactive pay that they'll do once the negotiations are settled and agreed upon i i would like that starting this new year this is the state of Nevada, and we're talking the government. Like, <laughs> wishful thinking, but I hey. know. Yeah. All right. We're going to move yeah. into our main topics. We'll take a pause from education for now. We'll come back to it in just a moment. And we're going to jump into... Uh, there was an, a Las Vegas Review Journal article from July 13th that talks about how Governor Lombardo pulled the state of Nevada from the U.S. Climate Alliance. And so the U.S. Climate Alliance is a bipartisan coalition of 25 governors. So half of our states in the United States. Is that before or after we pulled out? That is after. Dang. Yeah, we were 26. Uh, securing America's net zero future by advancing state-led high-impact climate action. So... Essentially, the alliance members are committed to achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement, 
which I believe didn't Trump pull us out of that and then Biden put us back in. Yeah, it's a it's a trend. I hate to I hate to name drop, but Republicans seem to hate climate agreements, and Democrats seem to love them. So, yeah, it's a trend. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the supposed whys that Lombardo removed us. So, in March, he issued an executive order that called for a diverse energy policy that takes a balanced approach to energy use and development. And to, to quote many <laughs> of the famous people, uh, we need more gas. We need more gas in her. That, that, that could sum up that executive order. That, that's exactly <laughs> correct. So this diverse portfolio of energy sources, he is just essentially saying that having the use of natural gas will continue to diversify our portfolio of resources. We need more gas. Yeah. And natural gas, as we've actually talked about in one of our earlier episodes, it's like 63% of Nevada's energy source. It is extremely large. Um, it's funny because it says here that the state's new energy policy emphasizes affordable rates and reliability for consumers and increasing the state's energy independence to ensure there's enough power during peak summer months. But as we've already talked about, uh, natural gas is actually n- not very affordable, and that's why our energy bills have actually been so high. If you have not listened to that episode... I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can understand why this is actually not ideal for Nevadans. It is not affordable. However, I'll tell you, Southwest Gas loves it. And that is the main gas provider in Las Vegas in southern Nevada. And and they're big fans. (laughs) I hate to say this, but you look at a lot of rural counties across the state Mm-hmm. And unless there's a mine, a large industry, like, and I say industry because that's a key part of the of the denomination, but a large industry in rural counties is electric. Mm-hmm. And it's not just green electric. They hate green energy because it takes away their jobs. Yep. Because they work at a gas mill. They work at a gas Correct. plant. They work somewhere like that. Yep. Because if they don't work in industry, they're a farmer. Sure. Like that, that's just how, or they're a minor. In rural, like those yeah. are, that's what we have. So you touch anything other than gas and you're going to lose and piss off a lot of people. Sure. In the on rural a, communities yeah. of Nevada. On yeah. a side note, if Lombardo was a little bit smarter, AKA any politician, it, we're getting into some of my own opinions here, but mm-hmm. a great way to diversify Nevada's economy would be to look at another source of possible energy but we keep uh, losing its efficiency by the year we don't look at it. We're getting Are to the point where it just no longer makes nuclear? sense. Well, yeah, just, <laughs> I just briefly bring you up nuclear <laughs> reconstituting or nuclear repurposing. It is a, mm-hmm. a valuable thing that with time becomes less and less efficient. But yep. there, in, it, in my opinion, at least opens the idea and opens the door to a diverse portfolio mm-hmm. actually means a diverse portfolio. When more than half of your portfolio is one thing yeah. and you say, we need more of that one thing to be diverse. <laughs> like, I, yeah. no, no. You know, Sisolak was, uh, so this actually, this executive order directly goes against what Sisolak's policies were. He was trying to move Nevada away from natural gas because ultimately while it's it is not truly a a fossil fuel it still has methane it is bad for the environment environmentalists do oppose this move of really trying to hold on to natural gas rather than moving away from it and it's going to keep nevada um, you know, in a place where it takes longer and longer to reach some of our climate goals that we have already set to reach, I think, by 2030. And I mean, come on, he pulled out of this alliance because he already knew that he saw that coming. 
Well, and I, I don't know if this is where we want to necessarily leave the topic, but yesterday was said to be the hottest day ever recorded. Mm-hmm. And yet we're saying we don't need to worry about climate. Like, I don't understand what we need to do other than, like, just unplug his AC unit and not let him <laughs> plug it back in for a day or two. And then be like, so how are you feeling about the climate there, bud? Because you know he's in a tower down in Vegas. He's not just in a ground-level building. So he's going to be somewhere high in the air with a lot of... Like, I just... I don't don't get what will cause people to wake up from this. And we're we're literally witnessing it right in front of me. And I can hear every climate Mm -hmm. denier's voice saying, No, but there's snow on the mountains. There's Mm -hmm. snow on our mountains. Because that is, although a true statement... A false equivalency that we need to address of like, there's only snow on the mountains because we were having extreme climate conditions and we were having snow all the way up to fucking June. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't be having snow in June, but we're having snow that late into the year. So, yeah, of course, there's still going to be snow on the mountains, despite the fact that we are literally breaking 100 degree temperatures across the fucking United States. Like. It's sadly, it's all about money. You know, it says here that he also directed the state to implement policies that streamline the permitting process for proposed energy projects and reduce regulations while ensuring there are appropriate environmental and cultural reviews. Um, He wants to continue to sell our energy out and keep us operating on natural gas. So he apparently is the only elected governor in the last election cycle to withdraw from the alliance. I, I guess the the point that I want to make, because it's on an entirely different note from what you just said. So what you just said is very important and I don't want to discredit that, but when the climate collapses Mm -hmm. and when even it inevitably goes bad, money ain't going to mean jack shit. That's right. And I've yep. read articles that scare me because even those hoarding the money know this. Yep. And their largest question is, what do they do after money doesn't matter? Like, that is the question that they're currently asking themselves. And that mm-hmm. scares the shit out of me mm-hmm. because they don't care. Like, it, it's not about money. It's not about like, oh, yeah, we got to make it's just simply about the fact of they don't want to deal with the complications of tomorrow because it's not affecting them today. And that's to, uh, that's the problem that we need to get past. Mm -hmm. Like we need to get past this. Nope. It's not today. So I'm not going to deal with it because in a fucking week when it's, when it's today, we're going to have problems. Yeah. And I mean, it just feels like it's coming faster and faster, you know, every year it's, it's scary, you know, um, we, I told you earlier, we were chit-chatting, right, that we have a community pool that we like to go to, and, you know, like, last week we were out, and Danette, you know, she's really fair-skinned, she doesn't have that um, Mexican skin like I have. I understand, I uh-huh. understand. Yeah, you get hold that. Hold on, hold on. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, Let's see exactly. see if we can get a good, like, good, like, <laughs> see, it's so white, it's just, yeah, oh, there we go, there we go, on the shirt. I got that on the shirt, there we go. That's how we got to do it. There we go. On the shirt background. She regularly checks the UV index for the day when we're out because... Probably should. She's had skin cancer on her head, and so that's been a thing. So, you know, we are more conscious of uh, what the UV index is at. And, you know, since we moved here and we look at it more often, we're like, okay, it's generally between 1 and 10. No. The last week or two, it's been 12, 13. I didn't know those numbers existed on the UV index. We were backing in our trailer in the storage unit. She was outside for 15 minutes and she fried because the UV index was like 12 or something. It was insane. These are signs. These are huge warning signs that we have to make significant change. And so it is a huge bummer that this is happening. The final thing is when we say we, it's a collective we because individuals should not feel guilty about climate change. 
That's the other thing we need to remember. You driving your car to work, although it's not great, mm-hmm. is not is not what's killing the planet. You running your AC at, I don't know how some people do it. I'm told I'm a heathen for this, but running your AC at 75 degrees in this hot <laughs> summer weather can be, is not what's killing our planet. AC, mm-hmm. yes, is killing our planet, but that's another aside. It's not sure. you individually. Yeah. It is corporations, it's countries, it's the collective large groups and powers at B that are not pushing this forward or not advancing this or allowing it to keep going backwards. So I don't want our audience to feel bad about using their gas stove or, you know, driving their car to work because although individual contributions help and they should be taken, like Mm -hmm. reduce, reuse, recycle. There's a reason why it's in that order. Reduce what you're using, reuse what you can, and then finally recycle what you can't. But We still have to remember it is a collective we of we have to be voices. We have to be we have to be the ones trying to push change on a larger scale from larger powers because we alone are important but are not strong. Yeah. And, you know, um, outfunded, really, you know, when it comes to a lot of these large interest groups who want that money now, unfortunately. So, yeah, Lombardo, if you're listening (laughs) <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> sorry let's rejoin the alliance please um so that we well, can make sure <laughs> on, on a on a positive side note though uh-huh. there hasn't been any retraction or change to the city of reno's policy towards monitoring and then moving okay. ourselves towards that same agreement so although we as a state might have pulled out i haven't heard anything about reno or washoe county saying yeah we're gonna pull out too we're still head yeah. fast in trying to meet first measure and then start to meet some of those requirements. Yeah, I sure hope so. Cause I'm yeah. tired of hearing Lombardo's while this was well intentioned. <laughs> God, just, ugh. okay. Let's move on to student loan forgiveness. <laughs> All right. So this is, this is kind of a, a really wide-ranging topic, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna start big, and then I'm gonna narrow it into Nevada, and then I'll take it big again. That is great. So, <laughs> if you're not familiar, on June 30th, the Supreme Court blocked Biden's student loan forgiveness plan uh, for many reasons. I hope that some people have looked into it. They just, um, you know, they didn't agree with being able to wipe all of this student debt and and from what i gathered and this is from me please like barely glancing at things but a large source of the disagreement comes from the mechanism in which he was trying to use to wipe the debt away he was trying to use a a congress act from 2003 Mm -hmm. which allowed the secretary of education i believe to monitor or like to modify or revoke student loans for military personnel or personnel who have worked, contributed, done things in 9-11 or service to our country, things like that. It was kind of like one of those post 9-11 veteran benefits bills, but it didn't fully apply to just veterans. It was all like the personnel. You could get your student loans if you were having some trouble. You could the secretary could elect, oh, we're going to forgive your loans or we're going to forgive this section of loans. So any military personnel who had loans at the time could have gotten them forgiven for no other reason than they were in the military and the government could. All right. I believe he was using that act as a means of saying, well, no, under that act, we could do it for military, so we'll do it for everyone. And the Supreme Court came back and was like, yeah, but that act was only for military personnel. So no. (laughs) okay well that's good that's good background information and that Uh, could be wrong but that's from what at least what i somewhat understood okay yeah the uh, republicans were not happy about this um despite many many of them having taken uh forgiveness on their ppp loans uh from covid relief but you know that's a whole other thing so july 14 there was an article posted by the Washington Post that basically talks about how the Biden administration 
announced that it will forgive the student loans of more than 800,000 borrowers, wiping out $39 billion in debt. And this essentially is the education department announcing um, that there was a one-time adjustment to help address inaccuracies in payment counts for borrowers in income-driven repayment plans. And so these were people who might qualify for the debt relief programs. Uh, The plan allows forgiveness after making a certain number of monthly payments, typically after 20 or 25 years, which seems like uh, astronomical, if I'm really honest. (laughs) And that was from my understanding of in the act that we are referring to, it didn't actually specify what a low income burden or like what Mm. the what that line meant for borrowers. So it was left up to judges to write the actual calculations Mm. and make the determinations. So they, our court system has been using a, a precedent based formula to determine if you are eligible to default on a student loan debt, which is why it's so it's historically and statistically so hard to default on student loan debt. You can normally default on any debt in a bankruptcy, but you can't default on student Mm -hmm. loans. They're They're in a separate category. They're federally backed. They're harder to get off your system because of that. Yeah, you you can't shake those ones. <laughs> they're they are Which unshakable. Which is a very very important point for what I will be saying <laughs> later. Okay, okay. So let's narrow this down to the relevance of Nevada. Okay, so Nevada as a state, we ranked first among all states in student loan default rates. So you just kind of talked about Tim how that can be challenging. Well, in Nevada, we're the best at it. <laughs> we're normally the worst, but in this case, we're the best. Well, that also means that we're doing the worst. I okay, know. let's just I was trying to turn this around and make it positive. Okay, so apparently collectively Nevadans owe 11.8 billion dollars in student debt, and the average debt owed is $33,743 which that ranks 32nd among the states and the District of Columbia for debt borrow uh, debt per borrower. Nearly half of the state's borrowers are under age 35, so close to my age or close to your age, Tim, per the Education Data Initiative. And all of this, all everything that we just talked about is happening because there was a student loan pause that happened as part of COVID relief when the pandemic hit and we said, hey, the economy is crazy right now. Everything's unpredictable. We don't know what the hell is happening. We are not going to have this added burden on students who have all of these student loan payments And we're going to just pause this so you can get some money back in your pockets and pay the things that you need to pay to sustain your living. Well, that pause ended June 30th, so 18 days ago, and payments are set to resume beginning in October. And there is concern around what this is going to look like Especially, hey, we've already said Nevada ranks number one in default rates. And so a lot of these student loans, these payments, they're about to come back out of nowhere. They are almost like a second mortgage for many people. And an important note that was brought up in, it was a Nevada Independent article, is that borrowers should not ask for further delays on these payments unless it's absolutely necessary because interest can still accrue during a delay, making a borrower's ultimate monthly payment or debt larger in the long term. So this is, this is where it's going to impact us as Nevadans. You know, there's... As, as I mentioned, the GOP, members of the GOP are frustrated uh, that there are borrowers who want forgiveness, right? There are a lot 
and I've heard this from many people in older generations, where they share frustration of just the mere idea or concept of loan forgiveness. Because, hey, they went to college, they had to pay their debts, and now you're saying to forgive you, I have to pay that out of my taxes, your college education, and something that is really interesting. Well, in Nevada, they already are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> something that's really important to know that I don't believe many people from older generations are aware of is that state funding for higher education changed significantly as a result of the Great Recession. So, you know, we have for higher education, both federal and state uh, funding or contributions that come. Okay, so in 1990, state per student funding was almost 140% more than that of the federal government. So they were, states were contributing 140% more than the federal government was contributing to higher education funding. However, over the past two decades, and particularly since the Great Recession, spending across levels of government, they all converged as state investments declined, right? States had to really adjust, kind of figure out how they're going to get through their recessions. They reapportioned their budgets. And as a result, the gap narrowed and state funding per student in 2015. Okay, so this is, gosh, only what, uh, eight years ago was only 12% above federal levels. So I said before in 1990, it was 140% more than the federal funding. And then as of 2015, it was only 12% above federal levels. So when we talk about people getting frustrated about loan forgiveness, the reality is the cost of higher education was significantly lower for older generations, those who went to college in the 80s, the 90s, even the early 2000s. From 2000 to 2021, the price of college has increased 69%, from 8,000 to 14,000. So statistically, and we've talked about this as well, There's wage stagnation. There is a lack of housing affordability, just overall inflation. All of these things are happening simultaneously. And millennials, Gen Zers, yeah, we're asking for a break. (laughs) Because the lot we have been dealt is... Far worse than the lot that our Gen X friends got, uh, than our boomers got, and it is, the playing field is just wildly different. Tim? We're in Nevada, (laughs) so let me break this down first in terms of just for all of our Nevada listeners to understand, all right? You're playing five-card draw with the dealer, okay? (laughs) And your buddies, you know, our our older generations, they got their hand, and they Mm -hmm. asked for one card. Okay. They had good cards. They're they're pretty happy. They just want one. Mm -hmm. That's all they want from the dealer. We look at our hands, and we are wanting five new cards. And (laughs) the dealer's looking at us before we even get our five. Wait, what card game are we playing? Five-card draw. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a type of poker. You're, you're given five cards, and you, you pretty much play, I think it's a round or two, then you get to, like, draw new cards, and mm-hmm. then you're playing another round or two, and then everyone flips who's ever got the better hand. So you get one kind of reset on your hand. Okay. We're asking, all sh- we got nothing in our hand. Mm-hmm. We're, we just want full re-roll. We're tired. We got nothing left. <laughs> and the dealer's looking at us like, No. You get to deal. You get to play with that hand. Mm-hmm. I gave him one card. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one card. Yeah. 
but we w- we need five cards, and they're only at least offering one, if that. Uh, but now to kind of take it a little bit larger, and this kind of transitions into my broke my brain, so we'll just transition nicely there. But Get it. it comes from a video that I saw a couple weeks ago, and then us talking about this topic re reinvigorated it, and it made me really just look into things and think. Why is student loan such a problem? Why do we have it to where we can't default on our student loans? Mm-hmm. And it traces back to an amendment that occurred to the Higher Education Act of 1965. The amendment was passed in 1976. The amendment started in the Senate. It was mostly pushed through by the Senate. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know who a member of the Senate was during this time? Uh, 67, he said? 76. 76. Uh, I was going to say Joe Biden, but it, he, no, he was. Was he it? Was a, he was, was, it was a Joe senator Biden? in 1976. Oh, my God. I'm he, forgetting so old. <laughs> he voted for this amendment. Okay both in its original form and in its passing form. Okay. And yet now he's gaining political points, trying to fight and saying, oh, well, we'll forgive some of it. Mm -hmm. He's part of the fucking problem. (laughs) He was one of the senators (laughs) that passed the whole reason of why we can't default on these to begin with. Wow. What really needs to happen is instead of trying to find these backwards ways of doing we need to repeal this amendment. Mm. We need to go back and undo the work that he did. But instead, he's using it as political points to say, oh, well, I'm decreasing your student loan debt without people actually realizing yeah, he's kind of started this whole crisis to begin with. Wow, I did I'm not, not fu- know that. I'm not going to fully blame him like the video that I watched did. Sure. But he was at least a... A voting part, like he was part of it. He played a role in creating the current student loan crisis that we are in. And yet now he's gaining political points because of, oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to forgive some of it for you. And articles that I'm reading even today is just this fight that he's putting on. Even if he can't get any student loan canceled, just the fight that he's putting is winning mm-hmm. him political points because it's oh, making yeah. him look like the good guy. Yet... He's one of the old fucking geezers that caused the goddamn problem who only wanted to give us one card because he stacked the deck for him. Do you think then he feels that he has a responsibility to do this or it's strictly political? If he had a responsibility to fix something, I think he'd be doing a lot more than what he's doing. Because that's the thing. He's made the crisis. He helped make the crisis a crisis. And he's only saying, oh, 10K. Like 10K is a drop in the bucket of 33K, which is the average. Like that's less than half being forgiven. Like I Mm -hmm. I think if he felt responsible, he would actually be trying to do more. I think it's just a political thing because he's gaining the points for just putting up the fight. And that's all he has to do. And I'll listen yeah. to your thoughts before I go into my broke my brain. No, it's fine. I was just going to say, you know, for anybody listening who may not fully know the reason or the uh, what we mean by federally backed loans and how you can't get out of them. So let's say that I'm drowning in debt. Okay, let's say I have a bunch of credit cards, maybe some car loans, whatever. And I'm like, nope. I'm tapping out. I'm filing for bankruptcy. Okay. Uh, That I might have this bankruptcy thing on my history, my credit history for up to seven years. And then after seven years, all that shit falls off. I get to start clean. I get to rebuild my credit. Federally backed student loans means you cannot uh, file for bankruptcy and have them wiped out. They are unforgivable. You carry them for life. They will follow you. And there is no way, even if you're just like, I'm cool with having shitty credit for seven years, you cannot do that with federally backed student loans. And so it is the gift that 
keeps on giving the nightmare that never ends. And so that's why this is a really unique situation. It's very unique. It's coming back from a crisis that very much could be argued started from the choices of many of our older politicians. And yet everything in the news today, at least everything that I was reading recently, is either talking about fears of RFK's third party bid in the Democratic Party, Cornell's West's non-Democratic bid, or now today there's rumors of Joe Manchin floating a third party bid. And what's breaking my brain... Hear me out here. What's breaking my brain is not that these candidates are willing to do this. It's the fact that the Democratic Party is being so resistant to it because they don't want to deal with it. What these candidates will do if the Democratic Party were to deal with it correctly on a national scale is they would pull Joe Biden possibly a little bit more to the left, draw in a little bit more of the younger crowd and the crowd that's going to the third parties, actually get them involved and give him possibly a little bit of a safer overall election. <gasps> oh, I don't know. Like they kind of did in 2020. <laughs> like I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of what they did. Yeah. And yet they're all f- afraid and they're just saying, no, 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 we can't even have a primary. Like we have to just have Joe Biden. Like we have to just put all of our weight behind him. And they're not listening to all of these people who are saying, yeah, but we don't want to because he's not doing what we want yet. Like, he's not fully where we want, so we're not going to support him. We're not going to support the other guy, but we're not going to support him, which then gives the other guy larger support because his voter base isn't being deterred like this. And we, we're sitting here like, well, yeah, but why can't, why can't we get above a 30% like, you know, engagement in our elections. Well, it's because you're not engaging with the other fucking 40% of the people that want to be engaged with, but are so tired of not getting their voices heard. These third party candidates. Yes. I know that to the face that you made, they're (laughs) not viable candidates. They're not going to win. They're not going to be doing huge things, but they might pull the race in a certain direction. They might get him more to the left. They might get him away from the center. They might turn this 10K into 20K. They might turn it into 30K. But like the party is so resistant to this because they're so blind to the facts of, well, why don't people just blindly support him? Because he fucking caused the problem and then he only (laughs) wants to give me 10K. Like, But to be fair... We're not like stupid. half of us weren't alive then. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you just shared we, something that I had no idea about. B- but the young woke people that are refusing to engage in politics mm-hmm. do know this. And that's the problem. It's not coming from those who are engaged and don't know. Mm-hmm. We're talking about those who aren't engaged because they don't want to be. We're yeah. not talking about those who are the blind naivers who just, oh, I don't vote because I don't want to vote or I don't vote because right. my vote matters. We're talking about the voters who exist. And I, I hate people who refuse to say that they don't exist. When you talk to them, they say they don't engage because they don't like the parties. Yeah. They're tired of the fact that they don't get a choice. They're tired of the fact of yeah. no matter what, Joe Biden can't seem to get what they want him to because they're not allowing candidates to go up against him that will draw him to their side. Yeah. Like the party are being so blind and yet they're being like, Oh, I don't know why we're, we're not being successful. Like why, <laughs> why, why, I don't know what's going on. And they're not looking at the problem. It's this, I see this trend left, right, and sideways. Our government seems to say, Oh, well, we got to do studies to figure out what the problem is because we don't know what the problem is. And it's like, okay, you're doing a study on traffic congestion in your city (laughs) to find out why the traffic congestion exists. The root of the study is traffic congestion exists and it needs to be solved. And you're doing a study to find out why it exists. You're doing a study to find out the problem that you know exists. (laughs) Our government seems to be doing this left, right, and sideways (laughs) where they're just, they, they drag their feet. They don't want to do anything because, Oh, we don't want to piss anyone off. And it's like, you're going to piss people off, but, I said this earlier, but innovation innovation is how success and change occurs. Yeah. But if we're refusing to innovate and we're refusing to change things, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like and Biden, honestly, I I just don't know. I mean, like straight. I, up, like, there I'm, there I'm isn't an answer. About it. It's not going to happen for 2024. Right? Uh, I like, know. That's not going to happen. I know, happen. but it. We'll probably have to the, deal with this in 2028 when it's it, open. 
It's know? the problem of, <laughs> well, if we don't deal with it in 2024, I know, the statement I know. of it being, 2020 quote, is oh, be, no, 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 I hope Trump the, doesn't run again in 2028. Like, no, no, no. But this is this is the point that I want to make. It's not, oh, he might run again. Making the assumption that it's open in 28 is the problem the party is making. Sure, that's fair. I, I will make the argument, and I will die on this hill, that the continuum right now, we don't know if Biden's going to win re-election. Because, quite frankly, I don't think the party's doing enough to get the support of the voters that they need to win him re-election. Personally. Yeah. That's I. That's my own opinion as a non-political analyst from the podunk, never home of Nevada. Like, I don't do this for a living, so I'm not a, a statistician. But you ask me what's happening, and they're not going to get a repeat of 2020 because, unlike 2020, where he didn't have like he was able to promise things and not have to back up what he's done. Now he's got four years of action that he has to speak to. Yeah. And yeah. when his voters that voted for him in 2020 are like, well, why didn't you do this? He can't just say, well, because I didn't want to. Right. He can't no. just well, say, I oh, well, I think that's why he's, like, to your point, it's a political move to really try to get, you know, something around these student loans, right? He's, he's touting this Biden economics or Bidenomics or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all strategy. Um, like in 2021, he caved to two Democrats in the Senate, one of which is no longer a Democrat because he didn't want to, Oh, I don't know, press them. Yeah. And he just wanted to keep caving. And I had this argument with a Republican that you and I will know, but I'm not going to name drop them huh. because I'm not trying to be rude, but his statement was as well. I mean, if if Manchin compromises one more time, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go against him. But like, he seems to be saying like, no, 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 this is my number, and that's what we need to. And I simply pointed out to that Republican that Manchin had decreased the number two times prior to us having this conversation, mm-hmm. and he'd presented two different targets that Biden had met, and every time Biden met that target, Manchin moved it to a lower number. And when I pointed that out, it was like. Oh, I didn't realize that because everyone was just hearing Manchin say like, well, no, I'm standing firm on this number. And like, it's like, how many times do you have to be steamrolled before you're going to just say, I'm done working with this person. He's a problem. We got to get him out. Like, sorry. (laughs) So my brain's really broken because I'm just, I don't get the, the lack of recognition of the problem when the problem is so evidently fucking in front of you. Well, we're nerds and we, you know, obsess about these things. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people aren't like us. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do mine. So mine is, um, much shorter. And probably, uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't actually expect mine more, to be that long, but <laughs> it's a bit more lighthearted. Okay. So I stumbled across this and when I stumbled across it, I knew, I knew that it was my broke my brain. So there's an article from the New York Times that, um, let's see, Um. they shared this on July 13th, so five days ago. The title is Trump Super PAC made $155,000 payment to Melania Trump in 2021. Okay, so, wait. I want to put something out there. All of this is coming out this week because our news feeds have been flooded with different things on financial reports, who spent money where and things, sure. because yeah. they just ended the last quarter of reporting. Yes. Yes. So I, that's all I wanted okay. to say. I didn't want to say anything else other than there's a reason why this is happening now. Yes, which makes sense. Okay, so yes. what I want to go back to is, do we remember Michael Cohen? <laughs> okay, so Michael yeah, Cohen... I remember him, but... Okay, so... <laughs> You know, he's basically Trump's old fixer who's now really pissed at him. Aren't they all old fixers? Yeah, that's fair. And literally everybody who is in his inner circle now hates him or has gone to jail and or both. So, Or is a family member. There is that small little circle. That's fair. That's fair. So Michael Cohen, his ex-fixer, served, I think, like two years in prison. Something like that, yeah. Two years in prison for... Um, making a payment to Stormy Daniels from... I thought it was... 
I thought it was lying about the payment because it, it's not making it's, the payment. The payment it, itself was not illegal. It was it's lying about the cir- yeah, yeah. Correct. It was lying about the circumstances because correct. It, it's the same thing that happened with Bill Clinton. It's not illegal to get a blowjob in the Oval Office. It's illegal <laughs> to lie about getting That's a right. blowjob in the Oval Office. That's right. So the the payment it was hush money, right? So it was labeled as something different. Yep. Uh, and it went to Stormy Daniels, and it was out of campaign funds. And so all of that is what made it illegal yep. and why Michael Cohen had to go to jail for two years. And so I just, when I saw this article, okay, and you know me, I like to just kind of make these a bit satirical. All I could think was Melania was probably like, that bitch got 150 grand out of this. Why can't I get some money out of this? And so she somehow made $155,000 from the campaign uh, that was attributed to interior design consultants, uh, some, something or other, because she designed a space in the Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> have you ever seen a campaign headquarters, though? Like, have you... Have you ever... Okay. Yes! Have you ever watched a show with a campaign headquarters it's in it? It's just a boring building with Where they pretty much chairs. rent out, like, a strip mall with... St- yes. Yeah, no, yeah, that exactly. is campaign offices. Yes. Hell, that's official offices, for crying out loud, and parties. Okay, like- so Melania just felt that that was not appropriate. It needed to really be done up, but also, I mean, if Stormy got paid, she needed to get paid. I need to stay quiet about all the trauma you put me through as a child. You pay me the same amount. How does that sound? No, that Melania is the went? wife. She's not the daughter. Oh. I still stand by my statement. <laughs> I have to be paid for all the trauma you've put me through. I mean, look, I had how the many mistress got paid. St- the wife should get yeah. paid, oh too. And she made God. an extra five grand more than Stormy Daniels. Uh, yeah, I still stand by my statement. All Copy right, well, and paste. <laughs> well, that's my broke my brain, and you should just wrap this up now, Tim. All right. Well, hey. Um, oh, gosh. Episode 22, that's next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Hopefully there's some, (laughs) I don't know, different news. There will be. There's always news. Yeah, you know, crazy stuff, interesting stuff. Um, Oh, where do we listen? Sorry, I'm like, the the gears are slowly getting... Here it comes. Getting up. All right. So you Dinner can listen time, to, Tim. Yeah, yeah, you can listen to us, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Prime. Give us the listens. I got to figure out a way to get my grandma listening because when I described podcast, she was like, oh, is that on the radio? And I was like, no. And she's like, is that on the TV? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, then I don't know if I can listen. And I was like, I <laughs> you can sadly her. think you're right. But I believe in you. <laughs> we'll f- yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll do something. Come back next week. We got more topics. We got more things. We got more places, possibly. I don't know. I'm talking about nouns at this point. Where can you send in suggestions? <laughs> Hello at nbpoliticspodcast.com. Hello. Goodbye. Yeah. We'll see Come you back next, next week. Yeah. <laughs> next week. Same place. Same time. Bye. Bye.